chapters we're going to uh, skim through today. So here's the thing I want to remind you, what you already know. Number one, just the importance of, of, of the Bible. You might notice here that there's uh, some green highlights and then there's pen under it. And if you look in the, in the, in the you know, indents on the side, there's dates and, and you know, maybe uh, Pastor Don spoke one time or, or Pastor Buford spoke and, and I highlight and note that. And when I read the paper Bible, it enables me to kind of go back to those great teachings that I've heard from awesome men and women of God and uh, remember the special things that I took from Scripture on those occasions. And that's just the reason why paper Bibles are, are such a blessing, you know, from my perspective. And thank you all for humoring me today and bringing your paper Bible. And, and I'm certainly not one that ever wants to change a culture. Uh, the culture of this church is incredibly healthy. It's incredibly beautiful. And I've already heard six or eight sermons in this place today, uh, just watching you and listening to you and being around you. So I'm just going to remind you of a few things that you probably already know. But one is that um, Acts chapter 1, uh, 1 through 3, which Aslan so powerfully uh, reminded us of last week, um, I hope that you took time this week working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I hope that you took time this week to review those, right, in your quiet time, first thing in the morning, giving God the first fruits of your day and uh, ingesting the powerful word of God from the book of Acts. What an incredible book that we are studying uh, here today. Uh, this week, we're going to be covering chapters 4 through 6. Now listen, if you uh, ask me to preach on the shortest verse in the Bible, John 11.35, Jesus wept, right? If you, if you entrusted that task to me, I'm a talker. Right, I like to talk. I love people. I get energized. The more, the merrier. The bigger the crowd, the better. Uh, and when I get wound up, it's hard for me to shut down. So if you gave me two words, Jesus wept, I could preach all day on two words. I have three chapters to cover. You guys comfortable? The setting uh, for this, as, as, as you know, is uh, uh, taking place in Jerusalem. It's approximately 30 years uh, A.D., right after the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what's significant about that is a lot of the individuals, probably the majority of the individuals that are present during the setting of these chapters, uh, experienced Jesus. They, they were there while he was walking the earth. They saw the miracles, the signs, and wonders, and they knew him at the very least uh, next generation. They certainly knew of him. These small children knew of the experiences that had occurred. So grab your paper Bible and flip the pages over to Acts chapter 4 and uh, let's dig in. I do want to recap while you're doing that. Um, Aslan did, again, just such a great job last Sunday describing the arrival of the Holy Spirit so perfectly, especially as we just experienced Pentecost Sunday. I so loved how she brought together the beauty of the spring festival of Pentecost from the Old Covenant, how she uh, tied that in with her message and showed the reflection of this in the New Testament when just 50 days after uh, the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit fell yet again Pentecost Sunday, so anointed. 
the Passover lamb of God uh, in the new covenant. Aslan also pointed out the unique encounter uh, for all those who were around when the power of the Holy Spirit fell and it manifested on them speaking in unique tongues. Now, can you imagine if all of a sudden this powerful Holy Spirit overwhelmed all of us and we began speaking in Arabic or Turkish, whatever that language is, or Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, I don't know what any of those languages are, probably all the same. But imagine that those individuals began to hear the word in their native tongue. Now be reminded, these were Jews, Galileans from all over the world. They were not just from uh, Ocoee and, and Pine Hills and Winter Garden and Claremont. No, these guys were from the uttermost parts of the world. And yet they heard the word going forth in their native tongue. So powerful. Uh, and then I was in, you know, grieved with her uh, and, and reminded about the fickleness of the Christian people even then. It's not much different today. The fickleness meaning that even while Moses was still on the mountaintop speaking to God, they built a false God image and began to worship it. You gotta be kidding me, right? He's only at the mountaintop receiving the oracles for the power-filled word of God and these clowns are down there melting their jewelry making a false God. We understand that judgment fell and 3,000 lives were consumed as a result of their unfaithfulness, as a result of their seeking and searching for other gods. But we're also thankful that in Acts, uh, we saw that 3,000 individuals were saved through repentance. What a redemption story. How powerful, amen to that. How powerful is our God? So once again, Aslan, phenomenal job last week. Um, in Acts chapter four, we see religious leaders are still carrying forward from one through three, they're still disturbed by the apostles' teachings concerning the resurrection of the dead. So they grabbed Peter and John and arrested them and jailed them overnight so that they could be brought before the religious leaders the following morning. And we see that Peter was not going to bow, right? And like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's like, listen, man, you can toss me in a fiery furnace all you want. I'm still not going to bow. I love that about Peter. Peter's one of my favorite characters in all of scripture. Uh, but rather, uh, Peter took joy for the gospel's sake, for being persecuted. I'm not sure how many of us here today would take joy in persecution, uh, but I encourage you to ponder that. We see evidence that as Peter continued preaching the gospel fearlessly, that an additional 5,000 men, this is the way that, uh, that uh, uh, heads were recorded in scripture, they recorded the men and then the women and children were not necessarily named, but you might imagine that with 5,000 men saved, there's probably 10, 12, 15,000 converts as the gospel goes forward. So let's pick up in Acts chapter four, I'm gonna just jump quickly into verse five. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law, they met there in Jerusalem. They were unhappy about what was uh, going on with Peter and, and, the, and the other apostles. And Annas, the high priest, he was there, and so were Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and others among the high priest family. And they had Peter and John, and they brought them to begin to question them and listen to this powerful exchange by what power by what name did you do this? And then Peter took this powerful opportunity, never poked the bear, right? 
Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what uh, Pastor Jared mentioned this morning in pre-service and so awesome that it was part of today's teaching. Uh, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. This morning, Jared ended there. He didn't need to go forward because his challenge for us was be filled with the Holy Spirit today. As you minister, as you sit next to one another, don't feel like you're just here to receive. You are a spirit-filled man and woman of God with a powerful prophetic message inside of you. Let the Holy Spirit begin to use you to minister to the person on your right and on your left. We all know the saying, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called for, to account today for this act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, I'm going to give you the answer, right? This is what he's saying. All the people of Israel heed, listen up. It's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man who stands before you today is healed. It is by the name of Jesus. And then verse 11, Jesus, the stone that you builders rejected, which has now become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, my friends. Paul preaching this gospel back then, me preaching this same gospel here today, salvation is found in no one else. I have a saying, I say it often, people say to me, hey, you know, praise God. And I say, yeah, he's the best God I've ever served. I say that often because it's the reality of my life. I too, like it was mentioned during worship this morning, I've served the God of man. I, I've worshiped money. I've worshiped cars. I've worshiped relationships. So many things came ahead of my relationship with God. But his powerful word says to seek first the kingdom and then all of these other things will begin to align. Salvation, verse 12, is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we will be saved. My friends, I believe unconditionally when I take the temperature of society today, I believe that the body of Christ is facing a very different season here in America. There is a spirit that has been unleashed, an anti-Christ spirit that has been unleashed that is more significant than anything I've experienced in my 56 years here on this earth. I believe that chapter 4 is coming alive within me. It's coming alive within you here at Northwest Church is coming alive right now. Pastor Peter, uh, Crystal, love you guys, miss you guys. I believe the power of God is alive in Scotland as it is here in Central Florida today. And what God is saying is, how will you respond, not if, but when you face persecution? Remember that kind of like a diet that nobody likes to do. My wife and I have been dieting since January. It's the first time in many, many years that we're really, truly hitting our goals. Here we are in June. We're still on task. We've each lost around 30 pounds. We're exercising. We're eating different. It's been painful. I don't recommend it, right? But we grow through adversity, right? I go to the gym and then the next day I wake up crippled. I'm 56. I'm not 26. But again, pressing through these pains, these discomforts, it's how 
we grow, my friends. Turn with me. Let me hear those pages flip. We're going to go uh, towards the end here, uh, towards uh, the, to, to the book of James, right? You got Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, and then James. So as you flip those pages in your Bibles, I just want to read quickly. I'm getting off uh, Acts just for a moment. I feel it ties in perfectly here. James chapter 1. And you can underline this because this is powerful as all the words. Really, you could just underline the entire Bible, right? James chapter 1, consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face the trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing, the trying of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you will become mature, right? Hey, listen, at 56 years of age, I don't do the dumb things I did when I was 26 anymore. But when I was 26, I stopped doing the dumb things I did when I was 16. I can't wait to be 86 so that I can really represent some real maturity here. And that's what he's talking about. That When you've gone through things in life, we mature, we become complete, and we no longer lack anything. I love the power of God's word. Verse five, if any of you, this is my daily prayer, truly is my daily prayer. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously. What a generous God we serve. He gives generously wisdom when we ask for it to all without finding fault. He's not coming to you with a judgmental attitude. He's responding to you in love. Ask, and it will be given to you. Verse 6, but when you ask, here you go. When you ask, believe, and do not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. God has placed the measure of faith inside of you, and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Again, draw strength from the book of Acts. Draw strength from the great heroes of the Old Testament. Again, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the Daniels of the Old Testament, the Davids of the Old Testament. The trying of their faith developed strong spiritual muscles. Jump back with me. I hope you held your finger in the book of Acts. Jump back over there. We're going to stay there for the remainder of our time together. I've probably only got two, three minutes left. <clears throat> That's how I roll. Acts chapter 4. Let's jump down to verse 23. Let's get into it here. Upon their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when the people heard this, they raised their voices. I love this word together. Man, do we recognize that we are referred to as the body of Christ? What if your body was disunified, right? What if your elbow decided it no longer wanted to work with the wrist or the hand? Do you realize how, how um, dysfunctional you would be? And my friends, I think that the body of Christ is operating in a dysfunctional way today because for whatever reason, we just don't want to unify. You're gonna hear that word unity pop up one or two more times, and I think you may even recognize the severity of what happens when the body of Christ unifies. Let's continue on. They raise their voices together in prayer. God, sovereign Lord. I love that word sovereign. I could preach on it for the rest of the day. They said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea 
and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. They prayed to God that despite Herod and Pilate's attempts to silence them, uh, here in uh, verse 27, indeed Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and your will determined beforehand. We talked about that word sovereignty a moment ago, and it's reiterated here in the, in the, in the, in the pre-preferencing uh, of what was to take place beforehand by the, by the word of God himself, by the power of God himself. And now verse 29, now the Lord consider their threats. Now, excuse me, now Lord consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. That should be our prayer today. Father, uh, consider the threats of what's going on in society around us and enable us to speak your word with great boldness. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, man, I'm going to beat that horse till it dies, right? They said, listen, surely, uh, you know, you can cast us in their fiery furnace and, and we could get burned up, but God is capable of delivering us. He's fully capable. Guess what? Whether he delivers us out of the fiery furnace or whether he's glorified through us in the fiery furnace, we're not going to bow. It does, me telling God what the outcome of the story should look like would be the most foolish thing that I could possibly do because his ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. He is far greater. So he's instructing, he's praying to God, consider their thoughts, enable your servants, stretch out your hand and continue to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And verse 31, check this out. Man, I pray this takes place right here. I hope this building is sound, right? I know it's a little bit of an older building. I'm praying that a new one or multiple new ones or whatever God wants to do comes. But looky here, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Come on, guys. That's powerful right there. The building was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, and they spoke boldly. Powerful, powerful, powerful text. Don't underestimate the need, my friends, for our, for yours, for our, for yours, for our continual interaction with the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, if we listen, the word of God, Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. He's instructing us. Listen, we get caught up thinking that we're God. It happens all the time in my life. I, I keep thinking that I've got the reins, that I'm in control, that I'm gonna drive this ship, and then I crash it into walls and bump into stuff and lose everything. And he reminds me, seek first my kingdom and righteousness, and I will carry you through. I will prosper you. I will bless you. Don't underestimate the need for the Holy Spirit, uh, because if we seek, if we listen, we will know the attacks of the enemy. We will identify them. We will not be caught off guard. We will not become distracted or derailed in what God has called us to do. Do not underestimate the significance of the word of God. Do not underestimate the significance of the will of God and the power of God, which is sharpened in us through the Holy Spirit. After this, something very beautiful, something very significant happened that we need to get the revelation of here this morning. The people were humbled. They were humbled. 
some of the most powerful men that I know and love and admire and respect never gave me their resume when I first met them. And I just assumed they were just an average Joe, right? Just an average guy accomplishing few. And, and, and they weren't probably as great as I am. I mean, look how tall I am. I'm like 5'5", five, five, right? And, and I mean, just this giant of a man, you know, Pastor Peter has to look down at me, you know. Uh, no, wait, up at me. That's what I meant to say. And then I realized after spending time with these guys that these guys are incredible. I mean, their resumes blow mine away. Their net worth, their value, their speaking gifts, their education blows me away. And in those moments, I'm humbled when I realize, man, I'm surrounded by people that have such greater giftings and talents and skill sets than I have. Why in the world would I project some image of self-confidence that really stems only from the power of God. That is my source. That is my guidance and my direction. And I love that these guys were humbled. They knew that tough times were ahead. And so here in the book of Acts, we're going to see next, where they united. They locked arms in faith. They drew closer together. And in verse 32, they were of one heart and one soul. That's what the word of God says. They realized, man, in order to get through this, we need one another. And they unified and they refused to be selfish. They refused to see themselves as someone in a higher position than the others. And they joined their possessions together. Listen, man, they put a big pot in the middle of the room and everything went in that pot willingly, right? These people were selfless. They wanted the will of God, the power of God to come. And so they just refused to be selfish. They put everything together. And the powerful word of God says this, all the needs of each person were met. I so want this to happen in the church today. I so want to see the body of Christ come together and just pull all of our resources together. Hey, listen, it doesn't matter what, what my 401K's got in my IRA, my CDs, my mutual funds, my bonds, right? No, but man, I'm going to put it all in the kitty and share it so that we can all unified grow together. Let's jump into chapter five. We see uh, 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 just the opposite take place here, right? We know that here I'm, I'm highlighting the significance of unity, but in the beginning of chapter five, we see a very selfish act take place and the consequences are significant. A very tough lesson is taught here. You see, there's this couple that also had a parcel of land uh, that they owned and inspired by the uh, generosity of others, they also sold their possessions. I was reminded of, of, the, of the parable of the uh, 10 virgins when I was reading this and how five of them were just so authentic and prepared and had oil in their lamps, but five of them looked good from the outside. They were doing the same thing as the others, but they weren't ready. Ready. And when the bridegroom came, they were left out, right? And so we see this taking place here. Uh, Ananias, uh, you know, him and his wife, Sapphira, uh, they, they decide they're going to sell off their possessions. They're going to bring it to the disciples. But greed steps in. Selfishness and arrogance and pride steps in, such as uh, was the case with Lucifer himself when he was trying to usurp the power and authority of God and was cast down from heaven. We see that <clears throat> that same spirit infiltrated Adam and Eve in the garden and they became selfish and prideful and wanted to be an equal with God, wanted to have long life and great wisdom. And so they, again, as unto themselves, partook of the apple, the forbidden fruit in Ananias and Sapphira in that same spirit, that same temptation of self, self the temptation of me, M-E, right? That powerful two-letter word. They come before the apostles, uh, uh, Ananias first, and he says, here you go, guys. Here's all the money from the land 
demand, right? There was no obligation that they bring the money. They did it willingly. Here's all the money. They could have said, here's some of the money. Here's half the money. They could have just been truthful. But in order to puff up with pride and look good in the eyes of man, they projected something that wasn't true. And they said, here's all of the money from our land. And guess what happened? The power of God judged the disunity. I hadn't really ever thought about it that way before. The power of God judged the disunity here. You see, all things were coming together in unity. They were all in one accord. Their hearts and their souls were unified. And these individuals were outsiders. They were disunified with the body. And in this instance, the judgment was so severe, Ananias dropped dead on the floor right there in that meeting. I've had a couple of councils in my office, my friends, where I would have liked to have seen that happen. Just being honest, because I'm in unity. Shortly thereafter, Sapphira comes in, and she had agreed to participate in this lie. I use the word uh, 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 mistruth in my notes, uh, because some of us like to hide behind something like that little white lie, right? We like to say, hey, you know, it was just a little white lie, or it was a mistruth, right? We just feel a little better about ourselves when we judge ourselves under that cloak, but the reality is that mistruth, uh, that, that little white lie here was, was in fact a lie. And, and, and I say that we often judge others uh, by their actions, but we tend to judge ourselves by our intentions. So I, I'm a good guy because I meant to do good. You're a bad person because you didn't do good. And so we see this taking place. Uh, Sapphira comes in, and, and she wants to have her husband's back. And so she's asked, uh, hey, listen, um, the, the, well, the money that was brought in, this is uh, from the sale of the land, and this is all of the resources, right? This is the, the total funds that were, that were received. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Brutal truth. In that very moment, she too dropped dead. Now listen, friends, I'm 56 years old. I've been in, in the church since 19, what was it, 76. I've been involved. That's when I gave my heart to the Lord a great many years ago, probably many years before most of you were born. I've never seen this happen. So, so you know, you're, you're probably okay here. But I do want to encourage you, be truthful. Be led by the Spirit. Be humble. I think that these are the important things to take away from here. And be in unity. Lock arms with one another. Pull the cart in the same direction. Listen, uh, here's the facts. I'm a big Florida State guy, right? I love Florida State. Go Knowles, right? But, but chances are some of you are Gators. I'm not going to hold that against you. Right? I can still be in unity with you. See, she's chomping at me. And, and, and possibly there's an ibis or two in here. There might be some hurricanes in here. And if you're from the state of Florida and you like hurricanes, you're just weird, right? I mean, hurricanes are destructive. Now, they're not destructive as a football team, unfortunately. Ooh. Look at me creating disunity. But to my point... Is that listen, we can disagree and still love one another, right? I can say tomato and you can say tomato and I can think you're silly and you can think I'm silly and I can still have your back and you can still have mine. If my people, Second Chronicles, who are called by my name, 
This is God instructing us, the body of Christ, the church here today. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, if they would turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear their cries. I will answer their prayers. I will heal their land. This is the unity that we need to call upon. As we, uh, you know, blow through, uh, you know, chapter five, there's, there's so many uh, great verses. I want to highlight verse 29, uh, where Peter uh, is responding here, and he's responding to this criticism, and they keep saying to Peter, listen, we, 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 they jail him, right? They beat him, him and John, and they tell him, stop preaching the word of God. And Peter keeps saying, listen, you can beat me all you want. I refuse to stop preaching the powerful word of God. Verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must, we must obey God rather than human beings. Powerful, powerful. Let's jump into chapter six. I skipped through half of my notes there, which is perfect. Let's jump into chapter 6 and just wrap up quickly here. Uh, Acts 6 describes the activities of two non-apostles. This is a, a, a kind of a shift here. I believe that uh, chapters 1 through 3 uh, were, were, uh, were recorded in such a way to record the Hebraic Jews. And now we're going to be introduced to a couple of Hellenistic Jews, uh, those that were from the outside. They weren't the, the inner core, if you were. But Stephen is also, and Philip, just two amazing men of God, two great stories uh, and and they're, they're kind of brought in. Uh, and in summarizing here, verses 1 through 7, these outsiders were complaining to the disciples that the widows weren't being properly taken care of. And, and, and they were being overlooked. And so the disciples said, listen, let's choose, choose seven men. And, and they did. They prayed about it. And they were led to a leadership team, seven individuals that they brought together. And these men began to work. They began to minister. They began to uh, accomplish great things in... Unity. And so much so that as things were transformed, as the needs of the people were met, as the widows began to get fed, and the body of Christ continued to grow, thousands and thousands of people are looking at the unity. They're looking at the healings. They're looking at the power of the body of Christ. They're watching you. There's a great saying, I love it, where it says, hey, listen, there, there, you, you might be the only Bible that people are reading if you profess to be a Christ follower, I have a pest control company that I own. I never tell any of my customers that I'm a pastor. That's not relevant. It, it's just something that God has called me to do. What is relevant is that I serve God. I seek the Lord. I, I, I desire to walk with him, to journey with him. And as I'm in these people's homes, they recognize me as a Christ follower, not as a pastor. Next thing you know, I might be joining hands with a customer over, over bugs in their kitchen and praying uh, over a cancer that might have manifested, over a sickness or a disease or a conflict that has broken forth into their family. And I say to them, it, it, would it be weird if your bug guy prayed with you? Right? That's literally what I say to them. And they're like, no, no, I think that'd be all right. And the next thing you know, these people are calling their bug guy and saying, hey, my husband's in the hospital. Could you come visit? Hey, my daughter's not doing well. Could you say a prayer for her bug guy? Right? And, and the next thing you know, they're saying, hey, my daughter's getting married. We, we, we don't really have a pastor, but we just know that you love God. Would you marry our daughter? Would you marry our, our son? Would you, would you perform my, my mother, my grandmother's funeral service? Through being in the marketplace, I'm able to share the gospel. I'm able to love on the hurting, love on the lost, not because of what I'm preaching in their home, but my desire is to live it 
in such a way, the joy of the Lord be so evident, hopefully in my life, that they read the scripture through my life. And my friends, that's the challenge here in, 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 in Acts chapter 6. It's, it's one of the shorter uh, books in, in, uh, in, the, in, in Acts, uh, but it's packed with power. It, it's such a great book. Please take time. I just, I just hit the cliff notes, right? I just highlighted a few key verses out of these uh, three chapters, but promise me this, right? And you can't lie because you know that consequence could be death. Just saying. Promise me that you'll take time this week uh, to read back through these chapters and, and, and say this simple prayer. Uh, Holy Spirit, please reveal to me just the powerful truths that are locked up in these scriptures. And, and may I take these powerful words and apply them in my daily life. Help me, Father, uh, to be a minister, to be a lover of people, to be a light in a lost and dying world. Help me to be powerful in pitiful circumstances that you would be glorified. Father, I pray that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which it was set forth to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Much love to you guys. Thank you so much. Appreciate you.